This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Well, today I want to share with you guys, again, a continuation. We're going to try to connect with this idea that we're priests in a new order. And uh, last week we talked about that we're priests in Revelations. It, um, it shares that we're of, of this new kingdom that God has since Jesus Christ came on this planet Earth, that he was starting a new order. And in that new order that we were to be defined as priest. And we've been kind of going through this whole temple uh, situation and scenario, kind of giving you a, a word picture. But before I do that, obviously some of you guys are already aware that uh, Pastor Jenna's not here. I'm just going to clear the air. Pastor Jenna is facing and fighting the, circ- the symptoms. And uh, she, we don't know if it's a really bad flu or if it's COVID. It doesn't really matter what it really is because it has to bow to the name of Jesus. Amen? And so uh, you guys, in fact, I know that she's probably crying right now watching this. I want to share a, a passage with you that makes it so difficult for us. In fact, this is something the Holy Spirit just dropped in my heart just 10 minutes ago. And it makes it so difficult in this scenario, in these times, to live out our faith because what happens is, is that we have, through um, circumstances, through our uh, Christianity has learned to be passive. And, and one of the things I'll share with you is this. Um, because we've defined love almost as a passive theology, which means if we, we share with people what we believe and it's offensive to somebody, then we can't share it so we are shut our beliefs down because then we're told we're not full of love. And yet Jesus walked on the face of the earth and literally completely brought, in a, you know, just in a, a complete change in the environment and was crucified because of his faith, because of his belief. And I, I want to share with you guys that we've got to get rid of passivity because true love is this, is sharing the truth in love. And that's the true love. And so that when we, we, you know, what, how much would you really show love to somebody physically if they were blind crossing the street and you saw cars coming? Well, you would certainly stop that person from getting hit by a, an automobile. Well, today people are blinded spiritually, completely blind. And they have no idea that they're walking right into the pits of hell, right into the destruction themselves, that, and yet because of what we do spiritually is that, well, that's, if I share with them, you know, that this is the Lord's prompt in my heart to talk to them, say, look, do you see the direction you're going? And it's, gonna, it's not going to end well. It's going to end in destruction. I, I, you know, I, because I love you, I want to go over there and share this truth with you. I don't want you to feel judged or condemned. That's not the point. The point is, is because I love you, I want to share this truth with you. Well, let's talk about what's happening with COVID, all right, if we could just for a moment. Normally, and this is what's frustrated, and I know that Pastor Jen is watching this right now, 
She's very frustrated because she can't be here worshiping God with us because the Bible's very clear. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In the past, whenever Pastor Jenna would go through any kind of things, whether it would be viral, whether it be a miscarriage, or whether it be any kind of attack, which she's been underneath many different attacks, she would fight through it, and she would fight through it with her family. That's how she would do it. And that's, and, but today, because what's happened is, is that we've come to that place where um, we're, we're told to say, look, we need to really respect because there are those out there that are so fearful of COVID. They're fearful of it. And it's real. And people are afraid of it. In fact, the Bible says in Job, it says that, that Job says, I, the very thing I feared the most came upon me. Let me just tell you something, whether you're watching us on TV or whether you're in this audience right now, you need to get rid of fear before you get rid of COVID. Because if you fear anything, if you fear losing your marriage, if you fear losing your child, if you fear anything, you have given a passageway to the enemy. And you've, you're, all you're doing is it's a fragrance of saying, come on, devil, come and take from me in my life. Because fear is literally a passageway of the enemy as well as faith is a passageway of God's kingdom. So they're opposing forces. And let me read a passage to you. This is what God gave to me just 10 minutes ago. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, now here we are, we're talking about how important it is to raise the next generation. Now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. So it's really hard for Pastor Jenna to show her faith right now. Because everybody in the, what's happening is the church community, as well as our, 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 our community at large, is saying, look, we don't care what your faith is. We don't care that you want to walk out your faith. You need to protect us, basically, from your faith. Do everything, for God is working in you. Now watch this. This is what God says in faith. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God wants us to overcome leukemia. God wants us to overcome brain, you know, uh, brain aneurysms. God wants us to overcome COVID. God wants us to overcome divorce. God wants us to overcome all of these things that are of this world. Anything that's of this world, God can set, he can separate us, and it's his power that works in us. But what's happening today is that we are shutting down the power that's working in us. It's time for us not to be so passive about our faith. Do everything, this is where I want to get into my message today, because I've been sharing with you that the, we enter his gates with, his courts with, Psalms 100. This is a passage that all of us should know by heart, it's in Philippians 2, do everything, everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in the world full of crooked and perverse people. God wants us to live this life as a light. And today we're going to be talking about the golden lampstand. Let me just give you kind of a, a picture a little bit before we get there. First of all, we have talked about going in the, from the outer court into the inner court. 
All of the tents, now maybe I'm trying to help you catch up, maybe you haven't been here in the last few weeks, and I would really challenge you to go listen back to the messages. But all of the tents, okay, and they, they best guess estimates, three million people, okay? Best guess estimates, three million people walking in the wilderness on a journey, none of them ever get sick. None of them have any issues. Okay, that is a miracle all by itself, and here's why. I'm going to tell you why. Because what happened is, is very early on, as they're walking in this journey, God has them come right to the same mountain that Moses has really gotten close to God with. They come to this mountain, the mountain is shaking. It's full of smoke, and it terrifies the people of God. And God wants them to come close to him through the shaking. I pray to God that through the shaking that's going on in the world today, that you're drawing close to him. But what's happening to some people, just like it was in that day, when the shaking was going on, they didn't draw close, they drew farther away. So God, like who he is, he makes another passageway, another visual to help them in this journey. It's called the tent of meeting. So God says, hey, you know what? They don't know how to draw close to me with a mountain. They don't know how to draw close. They don't trust me enough, even though my voice is shaking, even though I'm drawing, say, come to me. They don't know how to do that. They're scared, so they go past her. I mean, Moses, you go for us. That's what's actually going on. So what God does, and I love the Lord because he's always creating a way for us to get close to him. Still today, he's still creating ways for us to get close to him. So what God does, he pulls Moses out of this place. I don't know how he does it, but he takes him up into heaven and says, look, I want you to make a temple just like this. Just like this. And so that temple, that if we could put it up there, thank you, you guys are so sharp, thank you guys, all right? So he makes this temple just like this, and that, what it is is this curtain. Now it's basically, it's 150 foot, 50 foot long curtain, 75 foot wide rectangle. And we're not going to go into specifics because it doesn't matter, but please study them yourself. Please study, because they, there's so much, in fact, um, I believe it's the uh, temple I'm, I'm probably messing this up, but there's, there, if you go on YouTube, I believe this guy's called um, the uh, Temple Man, and there's so much literature this guy's done, uh, his, devoted his whole life to this study, and it's really well, uh, it's really something um, to listen to. So anyway, go from this outer court, and all the tents, three tribes to from the north, three tribes to the south, three tribes to the east, three tribes to the west, are all centered. Three million people have their tents focused on the tent. So when they wake up in the morning, what do they see? The tent. When they wake in the morning, now let me tell you something, we're going to be talking about what they see. Because see, they don't have television, like almost everybody wakes up to their television today. They don't have phones, every, all the entertainment. What they have is the presence of God. And that presence of God becomes very active because there's a fragrance, and we're going to be talking more about that next week. There's a fragrance that comes in from the inner court that literally goes up to almost a half a mile to the north, south, east, west. Obviously the way the wind would blow would you know, determine that. But there was a fragrance of God. God, a burning incense. So there's a, there, we, we can smell the fragrance of God in the air. There's only one real light, people of God. That's what we're going to talk about today, the seven lamps, the golden lampstands. So there's, this light never goes out. Like, you know, I, I mean, with your kids, what do you want to do is you, you turn the light off so that they can sleep. This light never goes out. It has to be tended twice a day. 
This lamp never goes out. There's specific priests that that is their calling and election to take care of this lamp. That's what they do. And so this lamp, which is made of seven separate candlesticks, or what we they call the seven candles, is actually burning oil lamps. All right, and what happens is, is that every priest would go through every every he would go through this outer court and enter his gates with you guys. Can we say that with just a little enthusiasm? Enter his gates with. Okay, we enter this gate with thanksgiving. We just talked about Jesus and the Apostle Paul, Philippians, saying, do nothing with murmuring and complaining. And we, I don't want to rehearse this because I've done it over and over for the last few weeks. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, all right? And then we begin to have this court of praise. Now, what happened is that even in my studies this week, and I am so sorry that I literally, even in the message a couple weeks ago, I wish I could take it back, rewind it, and give it better. But even the things that I've learned this week about this message, I'm still learning. And one of them is, is the word sacrifice is a very poor translation. The Hebrew people would know better. And what that means is literally, it's not really a word sacrifice, and we talked about the things that we look, because when you think of sacrifice, you're always thinking of what I got to let go of, what, what, what kind of things I got to, whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's, but the word literally wasn't, a better interpretation would be offering, not sacrifice. And in that point of offering, you be offering your life. And so what was happening is, is that this whole, this whole altar we talked about in the outer court, this big, huge altar, it wasn't something that would just burn because of a sin offering, but it was also a love offering. And that every person that came into this court had one thing in their mind. It wasn't because of what they did bad in the background. It's because of what they wanted, the presence of God they wanted in their foreground. Everybody that came into this tent of meeting had one thing in mind. I want to offer my life, and I want to draw closer. In fact, the literal Hebrew word would be, I want to get closer to God in my life. That was the whole point of it. Whether they had offered a lamb, whether they had offered you know, some you know, burning oil, whether they had offered a sacrifice of, of food or bread, everything that they wanted to do or seed offering, they wanted to get, everybody say it with me, close to God. Say it with me. That was their whole point. In fact, we, we know that from the, the New Testament, draw near unto God, and he what? Draws near to you. So God created this huge tent of meeting for people, not because of the bad that was in their life, because of what God wanted to bring good in their life. And notice now, when you think about it, they're always drawing near to God. Three million people, they're not, they're not fighting sickness. They're not fighting poverty. They're not fighting all the things that we fight today because they're always what? Close to God. That's what they are. They, got, they smell like God. They're lit up like God. They're always around the presence of God. They're tent. They wake up in the morning and they're thinking about God and they're going out. And if they do something wrong, which they're like humans, they're going to do something wrong, they're going, well, you know what? This is going to keep me from God. I want to get close. Come on, say it. I want to get closer to God. So I have to have enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. And last week we talked about how the, the priests would wash their hands and their feet. Today I want to talk about, now we're going to get into the tent of meeting. If we could put that, that thank you. Guys, you guys are, 
Way to go, all right? So anyway, they got the candlestick now. Now, this candlestick up there, I know that um, you, you guys don't really understand. Many of the things that God had built was built over acacia wood, and then they would go over there and overlay it with gold. This candlestick was made of pure gold. It weighed almost 75 pounds. Today's terminology, today's thinking about that, what that's, this is the most expensive, valuable, not the Ark of the Covenant, which we're going to talk about later on in, you know, in the weeks to come, not the Ark of the Covenant. This was the most expensive piece of utensil that God had in his tent of meeting. This thing would be equivalent to $1.7 million today. If we were to take 75 pounds of gold and literally framework it into one piece of, of, of furniture, which would look like that, not just the time, but it would be $1.7 million worth of gold that would take to build this artifact. And it was one particular, all, that was all built out of one piece. So they had to go over there and heat that thing up, and it was of pure gold. And say, well, Pastor Ron, what is, what's the, you know, the, the relevance of that? And well, we're going to uh, talk about it a little bit more in depth. But one of the things is, is what you have to understand, is it was always lit. Always lit. And one of the first things that God really referenced to me and, uh, is in Matthew, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. But before we do that, just real quick review in Revelations chapter 1, 4 through 6, it says, This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace, peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. From the sevenfold spirit before his throne, and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things. The first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood. He has made us a kingdom of, this side was because I was aiming that way. King, he's made us a kingdom of priest. He has made us a kingdom of priest for God and his father. All glory and power to him forever. Now in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 8 through 11, this is what we in this world as kingdom of priests. You are a priest in your workplace. You are a priest in your home or a priestess, I don't care. You are called to do one thing in your, in your workplace, in the hospital, in the judicial system, in your neighborhood, you are called. God has set you apart. Now, there's special callings and elections that all of us have, but every one of us have the priestly favor of the fragrance to smell like God, to be lit up with God, to have his message inside of our lives, to do one thing. And let me read it to you guys right now. It's, for, it's found in Leviticus 8, or um, Leviticus 10, 8 through 11. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you and your descendants must never drink wine or any other alcoholic drink before going into the tabernacle. If you do, you'll die. This is the permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation. You must distinguish between what is sacred and what is common, between what is ceremonially clean and unclean. You must teach the Israelites all the decrees that the Lord has given through Moses. One of the things that we have failed at that we have not addressed, and we're talking about raising the next generation. It is our job as, as a priest or priestess to show the next generation what is clean and what is unclean. 
What is sacred and what is not sacred? And I know that for a fact, in fact, uh, my wife and I, we invited uh, two of our, our granddaughters um, over last night to help us put up the tree. And I mean, that was just the excuse. I wanted to do devotions with them. I mean, the point is, is I want to do devotions with my grandkids. I want to do devotions with my kids. I want to do devotions with my wife. I want to do devotions with you. And that was the whole point. And what happens is that what, when we get in God's presence, when we set our tent to look at God. Now, we do it different then. We don't have a tent. We don't have a, you know, this huge facility, 75 by 150, with all of these sacred um, uh, you know, artifacts around us. What we have is version. And what we have is, is uh, Right Now Media. And so last night we chose, and if you guys haven't downloaded Right Now Media, please learn how to do so before you leave this church today. And I would be the last guy to probably ask you how to do that, or don't, don't ask me how to do it. That's just, I am tactically deficient, all right? But anyway, um, I know that you can load down the app, and I know that Rita can help, or Jonathan can help, and please aim that direction, all right? But point is, is that these are the ways that we can take our tent and aim toward God today. So you say, well, Pastor, we don't have that. Yes, we do. We have that. And so last night, I had a, a little tent house of, you know, Alyssa and a little one of Ariah and, and, and my wife, Brenda, and, and myself, and we aimed at Right Now Media. And then I was, I was, uh, I chose one where there was a female speaker because I thought well, that would be a little easier for them to listen to. And, and then we went through a book on Ruth. And uh, so that we watched it. But here's the thing that aches my heart about it, is I don't think they connected with it well. I mean, if I would be true, and you know, and many times what we do is we'll just go through the, what we'll do is we'll go through the scenario, we'll go through the traditional, we'll do the devotions, and not really have the, not really have the connection. Did they smell God in that moment? Did they taste and see that God is good? Did they catch God's presence in that? When we, and you know, and the way you can do that, you guys, is a real simple way of looking in the mirror of who God is. Listen to people pray. That's, that's the best way I can tell you. So ask your kids, well, I, you know, and your kid will go, I don't know how to pray. I don't want to pray in front of you. Blah, 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 blah. Make them do it. Do you make them go to school? Yes, you do. Make them pray. You say, well, pastor, that just seems so spiritually wrong. Well, then it's physically wrong to make them go to school. I care more about their spiritual well-being than I do whether they, they, they learn arithmetic and they learn how to read and write, and all those are very important. But I care more about their spirit being than I do about their academia. And yet we've got everything reversed today. We care more about their academia than we do about their spiritual aptitude in life. And the only way that we can do that is how, do, how in the world do you learn about their academia? Because they go through tests. Am I not right? If they, I mean, we go through tests, and through their tests, we find out whether they're passing or failing. So it's okay. Let me tell you something. I always say this. I have a leadership thing. Fail forward. 
Feel forward. Don't feel backwards. Feel forward. So if, they're, if, they, if they come to that place and they don't know how to pray with you, well, then at least you know where to start. See, look, said, honey, it's not okay. It's not a big deal. God knows your heart, and there's no perfect way. Don't pray like me. In fact, there's a, there's a brother that goes to our church right now. He's in Manistee. But I love, he's just new to the Lord. I mean, this man is out of the services. He's so new to the Lord. But you ought to listen to this man pray. It is so real. He talks to God like he's just hanging out with them and that they're, you know what, they're just buddies, you know, in the Navy. And I love listening to this man's prayer because I know dumb well when he's praying, I sense, I smell God in it. I taste God in that moment. That's what we long to connect with. It isn't about right now media. It's not about you version. It's about that moment when we connect with Jesus Christ. Can we smell the Lord? When we, so when we come into this Holy of Holies, and what happens is, we can, can we put up that candlestick up there? These priests that would come into this place, and first of all, we've, we've come from the place of, this is where we've washed our hands and we've washed our feet. This is made out of what, it wasn't really, um, it was made out of uh, brass, and it wasn't gold. And so what we're doing is we're, we're realizing that every step we have as a priest, it's closer and closer to God. And what, we don't, what you don't really realize is in this little tent of meeting, okay, in this little space, right on the other side of this thick curtain is the Ark of the Covenant where God sits. And these men would, would shake realizing that God's presence was right on the other side and that what God had asked them to do was, was to light this candlestick. And you know what? It was passed on from generation after generation how important this was. And I think that's one of the things I've made a mistake at. And I am super sorry with the, even the sacredness or even the, 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 the activity why, you know, asking our, you know, talking to our kids going, do you know why that we praise God first and worship God at the end? They, they probably look at me because we've never really explained it. We praise God because we enter his courts with praise. We enter his court. And, and, what, and honestly, what's the most important thing? It isn't whether I preach or, or whether you sing or they sing. The most important thing is, is we get in the presence of God. Because in the presence of God is the fullness of God. And that God wants to do a full thing in our life. And we realize that salvation, though there's a package, that we're going to be constantly unwrapping that package for the rest of our lives. And there's more to dig into. There's more to receive. There's more to be called to. There's more, more, more. I could be 90 years old walking on the face of the earth and I'm going, there's still more to this? There's still more to this? There's still more to this? And digging into the fullness. And the only way to get into that fullness is to get into His presence. And His presence isn't a building, though his presence is here. His presence isn't going over there and just be hanging out with an elder or a pastor, though I pray that his presence is there. But his presence is where you acknowledge him in the greatness of who he is. And that this priest, as he was going over there and taking this lampstand, and he's, and he's tending to you know, the wick and making sure that it was lit, 
and putting oil in there to continue. And he had to do this twice a day, knowing that just feet away from him was the presence of God and the fullness of God inside behind a curtain. And that knowing that that curtain was literally saving his life. Because if he got caught into the perfect presence of God, the fullness of it, his breath was over. Because honestly, we are, since Adam and Eve sinned, no man has been able, other than Jesus Christ, to be in the fullness of God's presence. Nobody has, because we now, the Bible says that because what sin does, what does sin do? It alienates us, it pushes us away, it separates us from God, it brings death into our life. Jesus came here to redeem it all back so that we could go into a type of temple, and by the way, what's that temple now? You are. You're that temple. So God, in effect, by his Holy Spirit, is longing through that you'd walk together so that you'd be full of praise. And so as you're praising God and thanking God, God in himself are in himself walking into your temple. So if you're unthankful, where can God walk? Well, you're the one that's keeping God outside. God wants to get inside your life. Amen? So as you're being thankful, you're the temple of God. You're that 75 by 150 foot room of space that God wants to occupy. And so now you're inner things. Now, here's the cool thing about God. You are made up and you are fashioned in God's greatness. There's so much intricate. There's so much beauty inside that God wants to explore in all of your life. And yet some of us are so shut off. And God goes, look, we can explore this together. Enter his gates with Thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. Know and recognize and acknowledge that the things that you say and the things that you do and the places that you walk, they gotta be cleansed. Know that I, he says, God goes, I know that you live in a pagan world. I know that you live in a world that's trying to take you away from me. I know that you live in a world that's trying to draw you away from the presence of God. I recognize that. But I have created a place for you and me. Can we do devotions together? Can we, can we get in the, caught up in the presence of God? Can you take and set your tent toward me? Take this hour with me. I've given you the word. I've given you my presence. I've given you my power. I've given you the church. I've given you the service to me. I've given you these, all these activities so that you can get caught up with me and get odd, you know what, and that the things of this world can grow strangely dim. So let's talk about what happens when we lack that devotional time, when we lack, because uh, we're too busy, right? We, we all get that place, right? God gives us, Jesus gives us a picture of the lampstand, all right, and it's found in Matthew chapter 25. And uh, it's talking about the five foolish versions and the five wise ones, okay? Matthew 25, verse 3 through 13. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. So what, what does the lamp stand get? It's full of oil, okay? But the, uh, the other five were wise enough to take the long extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were aroused by the shout, look, the bridegroom's here. Come out and meet. And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please, give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. The others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some. 
But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you, too, must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of our return. So what, was that, what does that mean, that, that this oil, this lampstand, these five foolish ones? What God was saying is, look, that these bridesmaids would, 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 were ready for the Lord's coming. And we don't know when that hour is coming. It could be tomorrow. It could be in this next hour that we breathe. We, we don't know that hour, but the Bible says that very clearly that for wisdom to be in, you know, inter, interfaced with our life, that we need to have that oil. And that oil represents the Holy Spirit in our life. That oil represents that the Holy Spirit is living and moving and filling our lives. And that we are not, that we're always ready. And so that it was always lit. It wasn't a time where there was a, a time where the, the lampstand went out. It was always lit. It didn't go out ever. They kept it lit all day long and all night long. Do you realize that's what God longs for us in our own walk with the Holy Spirit? That all day, that all night, we are lit up with Jesus. Now, listen, I'm not talking about someone who's that spiritually, you're prophesying or you're you know, speaking in tongues or you're singing psalms and hymns. I'm saying that from the inside of your life, your tent is always aimed at God. And you're always ready. You're longing for it. Because see, the priest would only come in and tend it twice a day, but it was always lit. There may only, there may only be two, maybe small little openings of experiences each day that you have to really do great things with God out of the 24 hours that you're alive. But you're ready for that moment. You're ready for that moment. The lampstand was tended to be every day. John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now, have you ever woke up in the morning, you know, the, obviously it's pitch dark, or I'm sorry, middle of the night, it's pitch dark and you really don't have a bearing on where you're at? Every one of God's people had a bearing on where he was. Because there was a light always illuminating. Always illuminating. They could get their bearing no matter what. I mean, the enemy could be on one side of them, around them, but they knew where their God was because there was always a light. What does light stand for? Illumination, understanding. Many people today are really struggling with What's going on with, you know, the, what the, the ballots and, and, and the presidential election? Let me just tell you something. All I know is this, is that God didn't get caught by surprise. Amen? And that God is still king. He's still the king of kings. Now, there may be things that we walk through that may be disappointment or discrimination, whatever face you might be going on. But the bottom line is, is your tent aimed toward God or is it aimed toward an election? Aim it toward the Lord. Amen? We need to aim our tents toward God and know that God has a light. Know that God has a plan. God has a perspective. God has a design for what God wants to do. 
The lampstand had seven oil lamps. I'm going to read this, and we're going to be pretty much getting ready to close. In Isaiah chapter 11. Now, this passage has always, um, it's always intrigued me. And it's, I've never really um, grabbed hold of it to, um, uh, it's, I, I believe, to what it really, or fullness of it. I believe God gave me a bigger picture of this passage this week as this, in this study. Now, remember, in the seven, if we could look at the seven, uh, the, the seven golden lampstand, the, the picture of it, there's one true, um, what it calls is almost like a tree, and these others are like limbs that go out, and that's the way it was built. I believe that the center one was, to, was literally talking about Jesus himself, and then I believe Isaiah chapter 11 talks about what each limb and spirit of each limb was from there. And I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a, a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. I believe this is what this stands for. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit, now it talks about the branches. The Spirit of wisdom. The Spirit of understanding. The Spirit of counsel. The Spirit of might. The Spirit of knowledge. And the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. I believe these are the six branches that come from the shoot. And the shoot meaning this was Jesus himself who was lit up with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that, that Jesus had the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that every one of us go over there and we don't have the fullness, but we have a gift or a measure of that same Spirit. I believe that many of us will, will hang on one of those branches, but God wants us to hang on all six of those branches. In fact, the number six actually stands for man. Seven stands for God. I believe that God wants every one of them. Some, some of us right now will hang on to the spirit of counsel, but not the spirit of might. Some of us will hang on to the spirit of understanding, but not the spirit of wisdom. I believe that this, these branches, each one of them, were the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and if we would invite all of them in our lives, I believe that there's a way more complete work that God can do. More of that Philippians 2, it says, His power working in through our lives. So what is that significance today? You have access to God. You as a priest have access to God. Are you exercising that access? And I'm not talking about church attendance. Are you drawing near to God intentionally every day? You can be touched by God. You can realize that there are sacred places. Do you ever get in the presence of God where you feel undone? Because that's what you'll fence. That's a sensation. Show me one person in the Bible that didn't get in the presence of God that all of a sudden they, were, they literally were cognizant. They were you know, the conscience one minute and unconscious the next. We have a word for that. It's called slain in the spirit. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you've not heard of it. Maybe you've experienced it. Maybe you've not experienced it. But um, what it is is when God touches a person through, through you know, another person or just by the presence of God, and one minute they're there and the next minute. I've had, I believe, three of these experiences in my life. One of them through a broken heart. Jesus touched me. One minute I was in one state of mind, in one state of thinking. The next thing I was completely transitioned into another. One minute I was broken, the next minute I was put together with Jesus Christ. 
That's what God can do. I've had experience with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I've watched my wife get touched, and literally I thought that she was going to translate and and, and be one, she's going, bye-bye. And I watched the presence of God. I, I, I want this to happen again. I believe we're in the latter day. And the Bible says so many of us, when we come in, and Jesus were to come in today and come into this church today, when he was to come into your temple today, your temple of your thinking, your temple of your presence, would he find faith? That's what Jesus said. He says, when he, when he says, when I come into Jerusalem, will I find faith? And faith is a substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Are you believing for things that have never happened before in your life? Is there a dream on the inside of you again? Or are you just reactive to all the craziness that's going on? God created this fullness of his temple in the Old Testament. And the Bible says that the New Testament is a much better plan than the old one. Are we taking time to set our tent toward this temple? And this being the temple, say, God, walk through my life. I love how David says, search me, O God, and try me. See if there be any wickedness about me. Remove it, God. Come through this temple. Cleanse it from all the filth of this world. And the fear and, and, and all of the, the nonsense and, and the frustrations and the aggravations and the, the mindsets and the strongholds that I've adopted. And God, making me a vessel. Light me up like that seven candlestick. God, trim the wicks in my life. May I have the spirit of wisdom and counsel and might and the fear of God. God, may I, may I have understanding in you. May I walk with your spirit. May I be so lit up that people see you and they don't see me. May I, not, may, may I be lit up in the morning as well as in the evening. God, may my grandkids see it. God, may the church see it. And God, not so that I could be seen, but that you could be seen in this day, that you would be expressed in this hour. You are a priest. Will you walk this journey with God? You're in a new order. You have better things. But yet, God was showing us a, a picture, and we're going to learn more about it again next week. He was showing us a journey that was sacred, that wasn't to be common in our thinking. That, you know what, I, that I can be unthankful. I've, God gave me a free will. I can choose to be frustrated. I can choose to be mad or angry. But that choice has consequences. It's not going to get in God's presence. I don't want to make that choice, God. I want to be thankful. I want to be in your presence today. And in that, I'm going to praise you. Well, what am I praising him for in, in, you know, in, in the midst of it? God, I, I praise you that you have a plan for our presidency. I praise you for that. I can't, I, I don't have to see it. God, I, I, I need the candlestick to see it. I need the spirit of understanding. I need the spirit of wisdom. God, maybe it's because I haven't, maybe it's because you want a church to rise up and pray more. God, if that be your will, what it happen? But I know that I need to be thankful, and right now I could be unthankful, but I choose I need to be, I got three of you that I want to be on that, that courtroom. <laughs> I need to be thankful. 
and I have to make a choice in that walk. And I need to be thankful for that. Whatever the course that happens, I need to be thankful for that. God, I pray that this nation rises up to be a holy nation unto you. And God, I pray the fear of God grips, it grips the House and the Senate and the Supreme Court and the presidency. I pray there's this holy shaking that goes on. And that when all of the nonsense that goes on, the lies and and the pretenses that go on, I pray the fear of God grips the person just like it did in the walking of the journey, just like when the Israelites walked that journey for 40 years and the nations that literally were saying, they're, they're, they're saying, would you, if you owned, you know, you owned a nation, a kingdom, would you want three million people like locusts to walk through your land? And they were so shaken up because the fear of God ruled their life. And there was one nation, the Amicites, that didn't, that didn't allow the fear of God, and God raised up a man of God named Saul to bring justice to that hour. God will bring justice to his people. But it's time for his people to live out and know it's in God's hands, not ours. Amen? And the only way they're going to get that is if you stand in the candlestick and read, God, I want your spirit of wisdom and counsel and might and the fear of God. I pray it grips my being. God, light that up in my life. Light that up in my life. Just please bow your heads and close your eyes. Father in heaven, we seek you right now in the presence of who you are, in the goodness of who you are, in the justice of who you are, in the righteousness of who you are, in the redemption, in the love, in the hope, in the peace, in the joy, in the healing of who you are. God, I thank you that Pastor Jenna right now can know you as her healer. God, and others in this room can know you as the restorer. Others, Lord, in this room can know you in the newness, in the freshness of who you are. Others can know you as the God of unity and oneness. You are all. If your head's bowed and your eyes shut, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, This is the greatest, our greatest moment of your life. You can set your tent in the direction of Jesus Christ, and he'll spread out his his hands just like he did in that cross. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. He'll heal you. He'll restore you. He'll bring you in fellowship with a God that has a plan and a design for why you are actually here. If you don't know him as your personal savior, in a moment we're going to ask you to raise your hand. Or two, maybe you, maybe in some pathway of your life you've lost that relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember that Jesus is a restorer. He did it with Peter when Peter denied him at the cross. It says that Peter followed him at a distance. Maybe that's what you are doing right now. 
You're following Jesus at a distance, and you know that that distance is not healthy. You know that distance is literally, you feel it in your own heart. And Jesus drew Peter into his own life again. Peter's fishing, and Jesus meets him at the shoreline. I feel Jesus right now meeting you at that shoreline of your heart. If you're following him at a distance, draw near to God right now, and he'll draw near unto you. If either one of those situations are you, I want you to raise your hand nice and high. Say, that's me. Please pray for me. Is there anybody here that says, that's me? Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Say, that's me. Please pray. All right, let's pray together. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I choose to receive your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. I choose to surrender my life into your hands. And I love you, Lord. And from this time forward, you are my hope, you are my all. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up, let's worship our Jesus together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved, ask for prayer, share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.